Welcome to the Tankcast, the premier bi-weekly podcast for gaming and hardware news with your hosts, Tank and Tom and Ducky Monroe. Hey everybody, welcome to the Tankcast, the podcast for gaming and hardware news. I'm of course Tank and Tom and with me I have... Ducky Monroe. All right, and this is our first podcast. Very excited. It might be good. It might be terrible. We have no idea, but pretty exciting. I, of course, stream on Twitch every now and again, but it's a little different when it's all just, you know, text and everything like that. So because it's our first episode, one of the things that I wanted to go over is basically what the point of the entire show is. Uh, basically, it's going to be a bi-weekly podcast. So you can tell from our intro, it's going to be about gaming and sometimes hardware news. Uh, it's mostly going to be what's happening in gaming, to be completely honest. Uh, it's also going to have to deal with some things about streaming and uh, everything in between. Ducky, do you have anything you want to say about that? It'll also just be our take on how the world works with gaming and hardware. Uh, you can like our opinions. You can choose to dislike our opinions. We'd love to hear both of those. All right. So what we have uh, for you uh, on our first episode is going to go over a few things that have happened over the past few weeks. The reason that we're doing it uh, as bi-weekly is because sometimes there might not be anything that happens. Sometimes there might be a lot of things that happen. So the episodes can vary in length from, I'd say, you know, 30 minutes to maybe an hour. I doubt an hour and a half to two hours, but we'll have to see how it goes. We're new at this. You know, if we are doing good, awesome, send us money. If we're doing terrible, send us money and we'll try to get better. We'll take lessons, do whatever you guys want. I'm going to get it uh, started off here. One of the biggest things that happened in the past two weeks, I believe this was on uh, the 8th of October, was the Hearthstone Grandmasters uh, debacle. So basically what happened was during the Asia Pacific Grandmasters broadcast uh, over that weekend, there was a competition rule violation during a post-match interview involving one of the Grandmasters. His name is Blitzchung and two casters which resulted in the removal, the removal of the match VOD replay. VOD obviously is a video on demand. So what happened was Blizzard went back and they realized that, hey, you know, Blitzchung violated a rule. And the rule was, uh, it says 2019 Hearthstone Grandmasters official competition rules, uh, page 12, section 6.1, Engaging in any act that, in Blizzard's sole discretion, brings you into public disrepute, offends a portion or group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard images, Blizzard's image will result in removal from Grandmasters and reduction of the player's prize total to $0, in addition to other remedies which may be provided under the handbook and Blizzard's website terms. So what happened was during a post-game interview, uh, they interview all the grandmasters. I believe he won. I think he got like uh, $250,000. He won like quite a bit of money for playing Hearthstone. Uh, and at the end, you know, they interview everybody. And instead of, you know, him talking about the game, what he did was he gave his support to Hong Kong with the whole thing that's happening in China and Hong Kong. Now, I have... No issues with human rights. I am not anti-human rights in any way. But because what he said was what he said during when he said it, that's why basically everything, like all the shit hit the fan. So what happened was he got banned, all of his money got taken. So it said here in a statement, 
Effective immediately, Blitz Chung is removed from Grandmasters and will receive no prize for Grandmasters Season 2. Additionally, Blitz Chung is ineligible to participate in Hearthstone Esports for 12 months, beginning from October 5th, 2019, and extending to October 5th, 2020, and they also immediately ceased working with both of those casters. It also says here, uh, we'd like to reemphasize tournament and player conduct within the Hearthstone Esports community from both players and talent. While we stand by one's right to express individual thoughts and opinions, players and other participants that elect to participate in our esports competitions must abide by the official competition rules. So obviously he violated one of the competition rules. Now, when news about this first broke, I looked at the rule that he violated. I looked at what he said and I said, okay, well, Blizzard is doing what they thought was correct because he agreed to follow the rules. He didn't follow the rules and Blizzard has, you know, the option and they should enforce their own rules. However, when I said that on Twitter, I was basically labeled as someone who is anti-human rights simply because I didn't side with Blitzchung. When you are accused of being anti-something just because you say, hey, I don't think what these people did is wrong, it's the hardest thing to try and defend yourself from. Uh, so this went on and it happened, you know, like I said, last weekend, over last weekend. And nobody heard anything from Blizzard. And then a week later, well, and during the, during the week, what had happened uh, during all this time is people at Blizzard's offices, uh, in their courtyard, they have an orc riding on a wolf, and it has all the Blizzard's, uh, all their values. Two of them are Every Voice Matters and Think Globally. Some of the uh, Blizzard employees, what they did was they took pieces of paper and covered those up because they're saying, well, obviously those things don't matter. That's not necessarily true because it's not true. They did what they felt was best because the person, Blitzchung, was using his part to you know, be political about it, which I'm saying if it's, if it's your own channel on Twitch, Mixer, YouTube, DLive, whatever platform you're on, you can use your own platform to say whatever you want about politics. But if you're using an interview to bring up politics, which is clearly stated to not do, you don't really get to be upset when you get banned and all this thing, everything like this happens. So last week it was very silent at Blizzard's end. And then finally, to no surprise, 5 p.m. on a Friday, uh, Blizzard's president, J. Allen Brack, uh, released this message. It says, hello, Blizzard community. I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about the Hearthstone Grandmasters tournament this past weekend. On Monday, we made the decision to take action against a player named Blitzchung and two shoutcasters after the player shared his views on what's happening in Hong Kong and our official broadcast channel. At Blizzard, our vision is to, quote, to bring the world together through epic entertainment. And we have core values that apply here. Think globally, lead responsibly, and importantly, every voice matters, encouraging everybody to share their point of view. The actions that we took over the weekend are causing people to question if we are still committed to these values. We absolutely are, and I will explain. So he goes on to say here that, you know, the esports programs are an expression of the vision and values, and it brings, you know, everyone around the world together. So what 
the violation here was was first our official esports tournament broadcast was used as a platform for a winner of this event to share his views with the world. We interview competitors who are at the top of their craft to share how they feel. We want to experience that moment with them. Hearing their excitement is a powerful way to bring us together. Over the weekend, Blitzchung used his segment to make a statement about the situation in Hong Kong. In violation of rules, he acknowledged and understood, and this is why we took action. Honestly, and Ducky, I don't know about you, honestly, I can't fault Blizzard for taking action because he agreed that he wasn't going to do something like this, and then he did it. What, what do you think? I think if he wanted to express his views, he could have done it on his own time. Technically, he's being paid and um, he's being paid and encouraged by Blizzard to be there for a specific purpose. And if he wasn't there for a specific purpose, which was to game and to be paid to game, then I think he would have every right to voice his opinion, but it wasn't his own time. He was being paid for a specific purpose and that wasn't for political views. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay. So what Blizzard eventually decided to do is because of all the outrage and everything like that, like people blowing them up on Twitter, starting the hashtag boycott Blizzard or Blizzard boycott or whatever it was, and people sharing screenshots of uninstalling their games and saying, oh, I hate Blizzard. Blizzard is the worst, everything like that. What Blizzard did was they released this other part of the statement. Uh, so they said, you know, we want to ensure that, that we maintain a safe and inclusive environment for all our players and that our rules and processes are clear. All of this is in service of another important Blizzard value. Play nice, play fair. In the tournament itself, Blitzchung played fair. We now believe he should receive his prizing, which I think is awesome. Uh, we understand that for some, this is not about the prize, and perhaps for others, it's disrespectful to even discuss it. That's not our intention. Blitzchung even said uh, in response to what you know I had just you know read to you guys that he agrees. But playing fair also includes appropriate pre- and post-match conduct, especially when a player accepts recognition for winning in a broadcast. When we think about the suspension, six months for Blitzchung is more appropriate, after which time he can complete compete in the Hearthstone Pro Circuit again if he so chooses. There is a consequence for taking the conversation away from the purpose of the event and disrupting or derailing the broadcast. To me, that's something I cannot fault them for, because the whole point of the broadcast was to play Hearthstone and live in the moment and be you know happy about that, discussing politics shouldn't have been something that is, you know, was there. As Ducky had said, you know, he can go on his own platform and do that. And it's not censorship. I mean, the whole thing is, if depending on how you say what you say about this entire thing, people either agree with you or they hate you and they unfollow you and like all this other stuff. Um, so the casters also uh, were for lack of better words, they were fired. That also is brought up in what uh, Jay Allen Brack said. He said, with regards to the casters, remember their purpose is to keep the event focused on the tournament. That didn't happen here, and we are settling. We are setting their suspension to six months as well. 
if you guys go back and look at the uh, actual interview, which I will link uh, in the information about the podcast, hopefully you guys can see it. I mean, they talked to him, they talked to him, they asked him questions. And then all he did was, you know, basically share his message. And then both the broadcasters like put their heads down, like Blizzard didn't know it was them or something like that. So it was, in my opinion, it was handled pretty poorly and Blizzard didn't really do much to uh, to save themselves. However, I mean, they're only giving him a six-month suspension, which is a lot better than a year. And they're giving him his prize money, which is really nice. But like I said, it shouldn't be about the prize money. It's more about, you know, the message and everything like that. And I completely understand. So for that, I mean, Blizzard, like I said, they handled it poorly. They tried to fix it. They didn't do that well of a job. But, I mean, it's Blizzard. And a lot of the people were saying, well, Blizzard only did this because Blizzard is pro-China and they're trying to, you know, appease the Chinese market and everything like that. Because, I don't know, Ducky, I don't know if you know, but Tencent, who is big in China, owns 10% of Activision Blizzard. And Blizzard, of course, is a public company. So when it's a public company, things like this that happens, if there is a big controversy and people start uninstalling games from a public company... What do you think happens to the stock price? It goes down. It definitely goes down. And because Tencent has, it's actually kind of funny, because Tencent has a 10% share, you know, they have an interest in that. And China, of course, obviously has so many more people than the United States. But I don't think that it was cut simply because they wanted to, quote, unquote, appease China. I doubt that. But when I said something like that on Twitter, which, by the way, if you're not following me, at Tank and Tom, when I said something about that on Twitter, I was harassed and told that, like I said earlier, you know, when I started talking about this, that I am anti-human rights and basically a piece of shit. And that's not something that I take very lightly because, I mean, I'm all about human rights and I don't know that much about the whole situation in Hong Kong and China. I mean, I'll, I'm not going to say I'm ignorant to it, but I pretty much am ignorant to it. It's not happening here. I don't know that much about it. I could read more about it. I tried to read more about it to understand, but I just, unfortunately for me, it wasn't something that, you know, I don't want to say I'm an expert on or anything like that. So what I'm going to leave this one at, you know, for this whole uh, blizzard and blitz chunk thing, it could have been handled better. That's all I'm going to say about it. Ducky, do you have anything you'd like to add? I mean, the situation in Hong Kong is a pretty terrible one, but this is a family-friendly event. I mean, kids also watch and play this, uh, play Hearthstone. So as far as a company trying to protect their assets, I can see why they wouldn't want to bring politics into this. So that's kind of my take on it, to, to keep it away from the kids kind of thing. Okay, that's fair. All right, so the next thing that we're going to move on to uh, is Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Now, I'm not going to talk about the game. I'm sure I could talk about the game for hours. I have talked about the game for hours at my job. What I'm going to talk about <laughs> is the ridiculous amount of microtransactions. <clears throat> This game, if you pre-ordered it and were able to get early access like I was starting on October 1st, 
you were able to play the game and you got access to the in-game store and there were so many microtransactions. It was crazy. And I understand, you know, AAA games, microtransactions are a thing that are becoming increasingly more popular. I don't know why, especially when it's a game that you have to pay to play, but that's neither here nor there. I'm looking at you, EA. Come on. But Ubisoft is doing it too. Assassin's Creed, they've done it for years. EA, like I said, that. I mean, monetization out the ass. It's just, it's everywhere. And, you know, because it's a new game and people like to take shortcuts, they have all this monetization. I'm going to link a few articles, or sorry, not articles. I'm going to link a few images to, uh, to show you guys what I'm talking about. Uh, so basically, you know, I bought the collector's edition. I have the statue. Here, let me move this real quick. I have the statue right here on my desk. That's a pretty cool statue. It is. It's a very it's, cool it's statue. Ballin'. It's uh, Cole D. Walker, who's the not even the main bad guy. Uh, he's in his getup holding his pistol that could kill you in one hit, which I got killed by many times. And he has, like, his special weapon and everything like that. But, so it's really cool. So I was able to play the game. You know, I had early access. And I took a lot of screenshots of this, as a lot of people did. So one thing that was really pissing a lot of people off, and myself included, but at the same time is completely optional, is the fact that they were allowing you to basically skip content more or less and buy, what oh, what they used the word for it. Oh, what was it? Uh, time savers, time savers. That's what they called them, time savers. So what you could get from these quote unquote time savers was you could get skill points, you could get weapons, you could get basically everything. The only thing it wouldn't do is level up your character. But if you wanted to play with your friends, and let's say your friends got the game and they were in early access, but you didn't get the game until months later, you could technically pay money to catch up with them. It didn't it doesn't complete missions for you. It like I said before, it doesn't level you up. It doesn't, you know, give you like, you know, it doesn't do a lot of stuff, but it basically makes the game pay to win. And people are saying, well, this is this is not fair. How are you going to do this? And one thing that Ubisoft said about it was that, you know, in PvP, because that was one of the biggest things, uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint has PvP in it by default, whereas Wildlands didn't come until later. In PvP, all the stats are normalized, so it becomes skill over, you know, power, which in my opinion is how it should be. So people were thinking that you could buy these shortcut bundles, get all these weapons, and basically dominate in PvP. That's not the case, not, not even in the slightest. So that was one thing. Another thing about monetization, other than the uh, time savers, was cosmetics. Now, what I'm going to say it was taken from a, uh, a Reddit post. And like I said, you know, I'll have a link to the Reddit and everything like that. Uh, this guy, he had said, it doesn't, I don't think it gives me his name. Uh, his name is Blink8704. And this is on the r slash Ghost Recon subreddit. He said, as I have bought the Ultimate Edition, I'm able to access the game right now. I've taken screenshots of the store in-game. Most cosmetic items are bought with ghost coins in the store. 
Figures such as the wolves and their individual armor pieces are all only purchasable with ghost coins. This really pisses me off. In the closed and open betas, the items are misleadingly labeled as locked to make sure people won't have a bad impression thinking they can grind these armor pieces in the game. All the items are also very overpriced. A single cosmetic item would cost an average of $6 USD. Camos, such as Multicam, are only able to be found on Golem Island, which is the endgame raid island. This is despicable. So I looked at a bunch of the screenshots, and I was playing at the same time, and basically the game is selling bundles that contain guns, bundles that contain blueprints to make guns, bundles for attachments for guns, individual attachments and guns, cosmetic shirts, armor, backpack, tattoos, emotes, melee weapons, gear camo and paint, skill points, weapon upgrades, battle point boosters, and reward tiers for some sort of like battle pass system. But what I found out was the uh, the battle point boosters and reward tiers, those are basically for doing the... Uh, the faction missions and stuff like that. I personally, I see how this is a good thing and a bad thing. I'm going to say why it's a bad thing first. If I get the game and I work hard for everything like that, and then some jerk buys the game and basically like, you know, because he has money to burn can catch up to me. I mean, that does suck. But I've been playing the game longer. I'll probably still beat him, especially if it's in PvP, because of how all the different systems and stuff like that work. So that's what is upsetting, because someone can give themselves a major advantage. What doesn't make it upsetting to me, in my opinion, is that because it is all optional, you don't have to do it. And even then, a lot of the time savers, uh, Ubisoft had said in a reply that those were actually added to the store and they were in the store accidentally early. So obviously that means at a later time, they will be things that you can buy. However, right now they got removed, which I mean, obviously it's only a matter of time until they come back. And I understand that you know Ubisoft is heavily relying on Breakpoint this fall for revenue because there were no other games for it to compete with. I mean, technically, they could compete with uh, Modern Warfare, which I'm excited for. It comes out in a week and a uh, day, next Friday, the 25th. I'm pretty excited for that. I haven't bought it yet, but I also get paid on that Friday. So maybe, you know, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, Modern Warfare was really fun. I played the beta, the open beta. Uh and I really enjoyed Ground War because it reminded me of Conquest and Battlefield Five. So my closing argument with Ghost Recon Breakpoint just regarding this entire controversy, they could have done it a lot better. And it's very surprising that nobody at Ubisoft took a look at the store to realize, hey, maybe we shouldn't have these things here. Because I could have easily bought the ghost coins and given myself all the skill points and gotten all the skills. The issue with that is because how the game is, you know, how the game works. You can only, I mean, a lot of the skills are called perks. And you can only have up to, I believe, three active perks at one time. And even then, to get all three perk 
slots unlocked, you have to spend skill points. So of all the skill points that I've earned, I mean, I've only, I have, you know, all my three perk things and everything like that unlocked. It makes it very difficult trying to figure out what perks, what perks you want to go with, with how you play. So like for me, I usually run with my assault rifle as a primary, a sniper as a secondary. And of course you always have your sidearm. So I went with perks that gave me more ammo for my primary, uh, and did more damage with my sidearm. I mean, my sniper rifle, I mean, let's be honest, if I'm going to use that, I'm gonna be going for headshots and I really don't need help with that. Sometimes I'll miss a shot, but I mean, I'll still, I'm, I mean, it won't be a headshot, but I'll get the guy in like the chest. And even then, you know, just another shot is, you know, follows it up in about a second or two. The only exception to that is DMRs, which Half the time I don't pay attention if it's a DMR or a sniper rifle, and then that ends up, you know, uh, coming to bite me in the ass about 10 seconds later because I'm expecting another shot, and I can't take another shot for maybe, you know, two seconds because it's, you know, bolt-action bolt rifle as opposed to something that is self-loading. Uh, the last thing that I'm going to talk about uh, here in my segment as I have about five minutes to talk about it is going to be something that is game-related and is actually happening when we don't know when. World of Warcraft patch 8.3 has been announced. It's called Division of Nazoth. Like I said, with the other stuff, I will include a link to more than likely the YouTube video for this. It has a lot of stuff. I'm not going to go over everything. I could, but I'm just going to go over a lot of stuff uh, rapid-fire. So right now it's on the PTR. They announced it on, I think it was, let me see, what day was that? Uh, 10 days ago. So when they announced it, it was available on the PTR. It said, new content available for World of Warcraft is now being deployed on our PTR, Public Test Realm. Visions of Nazoth, spoilers ahead. The old god Nazoth has risen from the depths and threatened Azeroth, working alongside Magni, Rathian, and other luminaries, players will attempt to empower Azeroth and with defenses originally built by the Titans. In return, the old god attempts to corrupt the very minds of the player characters with visions of Nazoth, a new repeatable type of content where players explore a twisted reflection of a defeated future Azeroth. I haven't played in the PTR, but I've seen screenshots. It looks fucking awesome. This major update includes a number of new features, changes to existing systems, and other improvements that you can join us in testing. I haven't installed the PTR, like I said. I might do it actually after we record this episode. So now available for testing, new world and questing content, new instant content, Visions of Nazoth. In that, there's horrific visions in Stormwind and Orgrimmar, lesser visions in Uldum and the Vale of Eternal Blossoms, Titan Research Tree, which is an early iteration with more to come in later PTR update, and the Legendary Cloak. If you guys remember Legendary Cloaks way back in, I believe it was Mists of Pandaria, I'm willing to bet you dollars to donuts that it's probably going to take a bit of a grind. Heritage Armor quests for goblins and worgen. The goblin one looks completely ridiculous with TNT on the shoulders. The worgen, I've only seen it in uh, worgen form. In human form, you will definitely look like a sir and a fancy lad. Heroic difficulty Darkshore Warfront, which in my opinion they should have had when they came out with the Warfront. Heart of Azeroth is going to get new essences, additional minor slot, two additional stamina nodes, and the maximum level increase to 85. It was 70. That means more grinding. I hope you enjoy.
there's an additional infinite progression slot to aid you against Nazoth corruption at a max level, which is coming later in a PTR update. PvP, Servant of Nazoth event for Slayers who become bounty hunted, which I think is a really cool idea. There's also a major auction house revamp, and other there's other things that are you know being added as well. Uh, a few more things here. New allied races. The Alliance gets the Mechanomes, which are gnomes that have robotic arms and legs. And the Horde get Vulpira, which I'm pretty sure makes everybody who is a furry and plays Horde totally happy. A new raid, Nihilotha. New story quest, Rise of Nazoth. Season 4 PvP and Mythic Keystone dungeons are going to be updated. There's new battle paths. Operation Mechagon has been divided into two wings with both heroic and mythic keystone difficulties, which is very nice because right now that dungeon takes for fucking ever to do. There's a Dark Moon arcade. You can play your favorite minigames at the Dark Moon Fair. PvP Deepwind Gorge has been reimagined and been updated to be a capture point map, which it should have been the entire time. There's also profession updates. New PvP catch-up gear for all crafting professions. Hell yeah. New upgrade level for Al the Alchemy Stone, Jewelry Crafting Rings, and Engineering Goggles, which nobody uses anyway. There's new Nihilotha Vantis runes. And one of the cool things, like I said, you know, I will link this just like I've been talking about every other thing. I will include links to this in the description for this episode. But I have played WoW for about 15 years, and this is probably the most content that they have ever added in, like, that I can ever think of. The only difference, the only thing that they have added more is like an actual expansion. But this PTR release, this 8.3, is going to be amazingly fun. And I'm definitely going to be streaming it. And I'm going to be talking about it on Twitter, which like I said before, at Tank and Tom. But it's going to be a really good time. Like I said, I'm probably going to install the PTR uh, after I record this episode. So yeah, that's all I got to say about that. So now I'm going to uh, give the microphone over to Ducky Monroe, and she's going to go over a few things uh, that she has. All right, guys. So now it is Ducky Monroe at Ducky Monroe on Twitch and any other platform. Actually, it's Ducky Monroe on Twitter. Fuck. Anyways. It's all right. Anyway. We'll get better at it. Yeah, we'll get better at this. Uh, I, I need some classes. Send us money. Anyways, <laughs> um, so Twitch. Twitch, uh, the juggernaut for streaming, uh, is owned by Amazon. And Microsoft has the Mixer platform. Well, in July... Fortnite star Ninja moved over to Mixer, which caused a bit of a ruckus and sent a lot of people flooding over to Mixer. So it got me thinking, what's the big difference? Um, I don't stream, but Tank and Tom does, and you can totally watch him all day long on both platforms. Um, I don't know about all day long, but still. Hey, you can watch my VODs. That's true. You can do that. You can do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to get, get you some more viewers here, yo. Yeah, I got you. Um, so um, what CNN did is they went and interviewed a whole bunch of people that stream. And 
one in particular, Unicorn Gaming, um, mentioned that uh, a lot of the um, this platform in particular has a lot of one-on-one -on -one real time interface and it's a little bit better than Twitch. So Mixer gets you involved a little bit easier with your viewers than Twitch. Um, as someone that streamed on both of those, what do you think, Tom? I mean, personally, when I've streamed on Twitch, I mean, I have a pretty good following on Twitch. If I was to pull a number out of the sky, I think I have about 935 followers, give or take, on Twitch. And I've been streaming on Twitch for about, I'd say, uh, two years and three months, give or take. So I really do like it. Now, I wanted to give Mixer a chance because I've been thinking about moving to another platform anyway to see about uh, other substantial, you know, see if I can get some growth going somewhere else. Because the thing is, is, you know, right now on Twitch, because it's the, you know, as you had said, like, you know, it's the largest streaming website, there's a lot of streamers on there. And if you're a smaller streamer, even, you know, me with 930 something followers, I'm still considered a small streamer. Not because I have, you know, 930 something followers, but because when I'm streaming, I might only get, you know, three to five, maybe 10 people watching at a time. And now my highest, I will say, I did have 147 people watching. And that was when Battlefield 5 came out because, believe it or not, I'm actually pretty good at the game. And the game I just came out, I was one of the people I was playing it, and I'm really good at it. Anyway, uh, so I've streamed on Twitch and I've streamed on Mixer. And in my opinion... If you're just getting started streaming, I would recommend Mixer simply because it's a lot easier uh, to get everything set up. The community is a lot nicer. It's not full of, you know, like 12 year olds and stuff like that. They enforce the rules looking at you, Twitch, with alinity. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, they enforce the rules. And plus, if you want to be a partner on Mixer, you have to have 2,000 followers. And like a bunch of really you know easy things that are really easy to get, and you can become a partner. Whereas on Twitch, one of the uh, one of the biggest and most popular streamers on Twitch, I think his name is uh, It's Slicker or just Slicker. Honestly, I, I cannot remember. I don't watch him. I've just heard about him. He has met all the metrics for partner month after month, and has applied about fourteen times to become a partner, and they never have approved his application. And they think that, you know, they have something against him or something like that. I honestly don't know. But becoming a partner on Twitch is a lot harder and you have to jump through all these hoops. <clears throat> and they even say if you apply to become a partner, you might not get it. You have to consistently meet numbers, which, like I said, you know, this slicker guy, he has done. But, you know, he they just won't make him a partner. And I'm not going to, you know, say why I think it is. But everybody knows if you're if you're someone who watches people on Twitch, everybody knows if you happen to be female and a partner, you get a lot. You, you get a lot. Jeez, you get a lot of thirsty gamer boys. Exactly. Uh, but you get away with a lot more stuff. Uh, talking about you again, Alinity, yeeting your cat over your head, and uh, Amaranth flop your vagina flopping out. That happened for eight seconds. You got a three day suspension for that. Oh, big deal. Then when you came back. Your title of your stream was, I'm back, bitches. 
Anyway, um, so if you want a platform that is fair to its creators and keeps people accountable, I would definitely go with Mixer. You can check me out on Mixer. I'm at you know mixer.com forward slash Tank and Tom. Or if you want to check me out on Twitch, as Ducky Monroe had said earlier, it's twitch.tv forward slash Tank and Tom. Both websites do have my schedule. It's hit or miss on which one I'm streaming on on whatever day, depending on you know the schedule and everything like that. So as Tom had said, um, Mixer does try to uphold a friendly and welcoming environment for its community. It does have a dress code. So for any of the female streamers, they have to wear at least crop tops on an 18 plus stream. So nothing skimpier than a crop top. Um, also, um, there has been someone mentioned something about um, sniping on stream. Because Can I wear a crop top? If you want to wear a crop top, I will go for that. Yeah. You can wear a crop top and we will make it a live event and we will get everyone that listens to this, mainly like three people right now. Right. Um, and we will we will have an event where you wear a crop top. Um, it has to say Ducky Monroe rules. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Tank and Tom rules. All right. <laughs> Um, but if you have worries about, uh, stream snipers, um, like I said, Unicorn Gaming mentioned if someone really wants to snipe someone, no matter the platform, they will find a way. So really, if the interaction is quicker or not, uh, via Mixer or Twitch, you're going to have the bad eggs, um, like he said, like all platforms and walks of life, there are bad eggs. But for every bad egg I find on Mixer, I find a thousand amazing people. So it seemed like everyone that was interviewed via CNN Business um, about the Twitch versus Mixer, they were heavily leaning towards Mixer in this article, um, especially as smaller creators. Um now, as far as someone that doesn't stream that views, I like the Twitch app better, mainly because I have my notifications, I'm more familiar with it, but I'm still getting used to Mixer, so yeah, that Mixer may be an it, issue. Yeah, it has, it has notifications. I mean, I have it, I think I have it on my phone, let me check here. I mean, it has notifications, but I mean, the interface and everything like that is completely different. It does take a little while to get uh, used to. I mean, obviously, you know, because Twitch has been, you know, around a lot longer, you know, its app is obviously a lot more fleshed out. But, I mean, you know, even if you, like, go on Mixer, you have, you know, the par the partner spotlight, uh, the top games, which, of course, have no surprise, is Fortnite, which sucks. Um, but you can see, like, everybody that, like, you know, you follow, you can check out really easy. Um, and, you know, you have your profile. The thing is, like, you know, even if you're just watching someone, like, you know, a, a content creator, something like that, by just watching, you're technically supporting them. And, you know, support is something that every streamer needs, regardless of size. I mean, while you watch them, you're gaining, I think they're called, like, sparks or embers. I think they're sparks. And you can use those sparks 
to, you know, set off certain things in the chat. Like there's different animated things. Or what you can do is you can pay and you can get embers. And those, if you're a partner, I think only partners get embers. Uh, that's a way for monetization to be a thing. How also adding to that, sorry, uh, is they're making they're trying to find a way to give non-partners a way to get monetization, which is basically, I mean, Twitch right now. If you're you know if you're a broadcaster, you start out as you know just a broadcaster, then you become an affiliate. That's where you can start monetizing your content, and then after that, you become a partner if you know, you get the numbers and everything like that. But unfortunately with Mixer, the only way to monetize it is to become a partner and then you get the option to get those embers and everything like that. So that is the only downside I can see. However, they are, I believe, and I can you know do some research on this, maybe we'll talk about it in the next podcast, they are looking for ways for other people uh, to get monetization which is a lot better than what Twitch is doing, which is nothing. I think no matter which platform you're streaming on, I think you as a viewer, as a gamer enthusiast, should go out, support your local streamers, sub on Twitch, Embers on Embers Mixer. Embers on Mixer. I mean, I, because I'm only have like thirty something followers on Mixer, I'm not, you know, I'm not anywhere close. But you know, to me, what's important on Mixer is just having people watching. I mean, I will talk with anybody that talks to me in my chat if I'm streaming. I will die in video games just to talk to people. I have, I've done it. I mean, you know, having someone to talk to while you're playing games. Is the best because yeah, you know, when you first start streaming, you have to get comfortable with talking to yourself a lot. And I mean, me, I don't really enjoy my voice that often, to be honest. So I don't think that a lot of people would like to hear me. But that's my opinion. You know, apparently some people think I have a nice voice. I don't know. I could be wrong. What do you think? You think I have a nice voice? I like your voice. Nice. <laughs> and it's it's just the rest of me that sucks anyway. I guess. <laughs> Aww. Um, but in like another thing, you know, like, you know, adding to that, you know, if you're starting out, you have to be comfortable with being on camera. I'm not saying you have to go out and buy an expensive camera. They're pretty inexpensive. But, you know, a lot of the most popular streamers all have webcams. You have to be comfortable with, you know, talking to yourself a lot and being on camera. And that's one of the hardest things to do, especially if you might not be attractive, if you're overweight if you're short, if you have a disability, there's all these things that, you know, people could potentially make fun of you for. I've also received threats on my stream before. I had someone come into my stream. I'm not going to name them because I don't want, you know, to make them famous or anything like that. I had someone come into my stream about a month ago that said, and I quote, Honestly, at this point, you should just kill yourself IRL. I didn't ban them. I didn't do anything like that. And then I said, okay, why do you feel that way? And because they're a coward, they, they just ran away. They didn't have anything else to say. So, I mean, everybody's going to get threats. Everybody's going to have trolls in their chat. And, you know, shit happens, okay? Everybody has, you know, stuff going on. 
the last thing you want to have to deal with when you're streaming video games is some troll coming in there and say, hey, you should kill yourself just because I said so. I mean, I, as that one lady said, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> so, I mean, people are going to be like that, but you have to be comfortable with it. I mean, you have to, you know, as uh, as Ducky was saying, you know, they interviewed that one guy. For one bad person that you meet, there's a thousand, you know, good people. So it's hard to stay positive, especially in the beginning. You might not get many viewers. You might not be comfortable on camera. There's going to be so many things that you might be uncomfortable with. And I don't want to sound like a cliche, but I'm going to have to stick with it. The only way that you're going to make it is if you just keep on doing it. And if you ever ask yourself, hey, should I be streaming right now while I'm playing this? The answer is always yes. Unless it's certain games that are banned by Twitch's terms of service. Don't stream those. You'll account, your account will get banned. Not that I know from experience, but look at the banned games list. Don't stream those. You'll get banned. Anyway, that was my tirade. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. So, Tom, do you think Mixer will grow enough to be a true contender for Twitch? For Twitch? I don't know. I think right now, uh, I don't have numbers, but I think obviously Twitch is on top by quite a bit. And then I think in second place is actually YouTube. And then in third place is Mixer. Uh, the reason I think for that is because obviously YouTube has been around for quite a while. Twitch has been around for not as long as YouTube, but Twitch used to be called Justin uh, Justin.tv. And then they rebranded to Twitch. And then you said Amazon bought them? Yeah, Amazon bought Twitch. Yes. So they have the Twitch Prime stuff, which by the way, you know, you can sub to me for free using Twitch Prime. Just saying. Just saying. You don't have to, but support you know, your local gamer. Support your local streamer and your, your local gamer, Knoxville, Tennessee. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I don't know if Mixer is going to be able to grow enough to compete with Twitch, and if they do, it's going to take quite a while because I think first what they have to do, and like I said, I could be wrong on these numbers. I'm not going to look it up because you know I could have done it before. But I think that, you know, right now, in terms of popularity, right now, I think it's Twitch, then YouTube, then Mixer, then DLive. I could be wrong with those rankings, but I know for a fact that Twitch is on top simply because it's the most popular. So do I think that Mixer could compete with Twitch? Yes, but they have to be YouTube and or DLive first. With DLive, I've streamed on that too. It just wasn't for me. It was one of those things where I got into it way too late. And by the time I started streaming on it, I just, I didn't like it. And it was a pain to set up on OBS. And it was in its infancy. Now it's a little bit better. And I still watch a lot of content creators on there. One of them is, uh, his name is Sean Hawk. S-E-A-N-H-A-W-K. Great guy. He built a one-to-one -one scale of uh, Hogwarts. I saw him do it. Oh, it was my on. It was on. D, it was on D Live. I watched him do it. It took him like weeks to do, but I mean, it looks absolutely incredible. So yeah, in closing, uh, for that, you know, my opinion, they can compete, but they're going to have to knock out YouTube first, and I have no idea how much of an uphill battle it'll be to not only knock out YouTube. 
but then to continue uh, for Mixer to try and take on Twitch. But it is becoming more popular, so that's good. Exactly. And maybe Twitch will up its game now that it knows it has a little bit extra competition. Exactly. Speaking of Twitch, for Twitch Prime, they release games every month. And I found this out because I have Amazon Prime. So uh, I looked at the Twitch Prime games. Are you not subbed to me? I sub to you occasionally. What? Oh, that's what you get. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh my God. Oh. I subbed last month. I my... sub every other month to you. Okay, well, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, there's a hot girl that I like that I'm subbing to on the other months. Can you blame me? No. <laughs> Anyways, um, we have five games that you can get on Twitch Prime. The first one is Adam Wolf. So you act as Adam Wolf, an investigator of the paranormal. You will discover a hidden world under the modern San Francisco. In this city, ghosts, artifacts, secret orders, and curses are some of the things that Adam will come across working on his most important case. So the next game. So is it an RPG or what? What is it? Is like yeah, the, the Adam Wolf is an RPG. Um, I believe it's a little bit of a shooter. I haven't downloaded it yet. All right. Well, so I, I, have I, I, have I, like, I could check it out. Yeah, I would like to play it. It it seems a little bit interesting. Not your everyday run of the mill storyline. Uh, the next one though is The Walking Dead. Um, McConey, is that the name of the lady in The Walking Michonne. Dead? Michonne. See, I'm not a Walking Dead aficionado. I haven't watched it since like season four, so. But it's a Telltale miniseries, and I do love a good Telltale oh, game. Those suck, though, in my no, opinion. It's so bad. Mm, see, I disagree on that. But um, Michonne is a, this one's an episode, episodic adventure video game based on The Walking Dead comic book series. So, if you are a fan of the Telltale games and The Walking Dead, download this one. Um, Stranger Things 3 The Game. It's a beat-em-up game based on the third season of Stranger Things. Are you a Stranger Things fan? Yeah. I really like... Well, okay. I really liked the first season. The second season I thought was really boring. The third season was really cool just because of the sing-along. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. So what is it? It's the Str- Stranger Things three, the game, huh. and it's a beat 'em up. It's a and beat-em-up. I love a good beat 'em up. That's interesting. I'm, I'm gonna have to check that out when we're done with this. Definitely. Um, the fourth one is Deadlight Director's Cut. It's a zombie outbreak eradicated all hope of the returning life back to normal. Now only survival lives on the <laughs> what? What is this description? Um. So, Deadlight Director's Cut. A zombie outbreak eradicated all hope of returning life back to normal. I can totally read words. Now, only survival, the only survival lives on. Run, hide, and fight your way through the undead. So, another zombie game. I love zombie games. I can totally read words. Yeah, let's see. The Deadlight Director's Cut. The zombie outbreak eradicated all hope of returning life back to normal. Now only survival lives on. Run, hide, and fight your way through the undead as Randall. Of all the names, Randall. 
Yes. Randall is the character that you will be playing in Deadlight Director's Cut. Yeah. Oh, The next one I kind of am really interested in is Serial Cleaner. It's a story-driven, fast-paced stealth action game set in 1970s America. You're a professional cleaner. Your job is to clean up murder scenes by disposing of bodies, cleaning up the bloodstains, and hiding incriminating evidence. I totally thought it was going to be a game about like cleaning the house. That's why I started laughing. Because <laughs> I totally forgot that cleaners were like an actual thing. But that's you realize good. my OCD, and I would totally play a cleaning <laughs> well, the house game. Well, yeah, that's why I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you get a game kind of like Toast or uh, Goat Simulator, but it's just you with a scrub brush and a bottle of cleaner. Toast. Was that, wasn't that called like I Am Bread or something? Oh, was yes. Like, I, 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 I Am Bread. bread. Yeah, it was good. I Am Bread. Yes. But you're just cleaning the house. You're just cleaning the house. Oh, you already <laughs> got a vacuum. you stick to everything. Yeah, oh, God. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, so if you're a really indie developer, create that for me. I will totally play the heck out of it because I've been playing Sheep.io for the last month and a half. Um, yes. Those I.O. games are pretty fun. <laughs> they are. So next on my list, Humble Bundle versus Steam Sales. So occasionally I will get the Humble Bundle, but I do not do the Humble Bundle subscription service. Do you? I I don't think that I can recall a time where I thought that it was a good idea. Well, okay. I thought it was a great idea. And then because you don't know what's in it, you don't know what you're getting. And then by the time you find out what's in it, you can't get that game. So... It's, it's like a risk versus reward thing. So, I mean, it it's worth it for what you get, but you don't know what you're going to get. So that's what, eh, that's why I, I don't subscribe to it. If I mean, if, if there's a game in there I really want, I'll just buy the game outright and you'll pay $60 for it as opposed to like 13 or whatever. Like an idiot, like a fool. Occasionally, I'll get the bundle if they say, hey, this is an indie games bundle or a like I try to stay away from first person shooters because I'm so crap at them. Yeah. But if it's an indie game bundle and they say, hey, these are indie games, I will totally go for those. But if it doesn't have a good enough description on what is in the bundle, I try to stay away from it. Um now with Steam sales, the glorious, glorious Steam sales. Oh boy! I I do spend quite a bit of money, quite a bit of a paycheck on those, um, mainly because I haven't really had a good paying job until the last couple of years in order to purchase said games. Yep. So now that I have the job, I have been acquiring more and more. So this last time, I think I got the entire uh, Borderlands pack. I got that too. It was yes. like five bucks. Yes, yeah, it yeah. was amazing. Um, I got the Sheep.io. I got a couple other indie games that I wanted to try out uh, that... I mean, they're hit or miss, but when you're bored and you just want to play a game for five or ten minutes and you don't want to get into a storyline, that's where I love my indie games. I can just sit there, play for ten minutes, 
in between cooking dinner and getting home from work kind of deal. And I don't have to invest a lot of time. Um, you know, like your Dragon Age 2 where you would sit there and forget and it's 3 a.m. and you realize you have to be at work at 7. Uh. So, so those are where I, I tend to lie. So... Um, my next topic was digital versus hard copy games. It seems like we're moving a lot towards digital. And even when you purchase the hard copy, it's it's still a digital download. So what do you think? You were telling me about this earlier. Well, yeah, I was going to say that you know, we talked about it a little bit before we uh, started recording. And in my opinion, you know, if you want... If you go to a big box store, uh, sorry, a big box store like you know GameStop or Best Buy or Walmart or any of those places, and you go to buy an actual game, if there's a CD in there, hallelujah, praise the Lord, whatever you want to say. But a lot of the times, what's happening now is instead of a CD being in there, there's a download code. That is the worst fucking thing in the world. Reason that's the worst idea is because let's say you have enough internet just to like stream Netflix, you know, so I don't know, 50 megabytes down, something like that. If you were to buy, let's say, I don't know, Red Dead Redemption 2 or, oh God, I don't know why you would, Anthem or, <laughs> you know, something like that, Sea of Thieves, which is really fun. If you were to buy a game like that from a store and you had a download code and you took it home and you know redeemed the code and everything like that, it might be hours for you to download, potentially days, depending on your internet. A really good example, I have an Xbox One X. I installed Forza Horizon 4 on it. I wasn't able to play the game, and I had the disc. I wasn't able to play it for four fucking hours. What it does, and I don't know if PlayStation is like this. I can't you know, really be sure. What it does, it installs the game, it downloads all the patches, and then installs everything all at one time, making your install time take hours. In my opinion, they should have disk copies that include everything. You should be able to install it, and then afterwards get all the updates. But if it's digital, it should include all the updates from the get-go as opposed to the base game and then updates later. I mean, I understand we're moving towards digital, but not everybody has the fastest internet. And even then, if you have fast internet, a lot of internet providers, looking at you, Comcast, have data caps of one terabyte. I think I'm at like 500 right now, and it's at, you know, it's the 17th. I mean, I'll be okay, but you know, that's my opinion. Exactly. And, I mean, a lot of the time, especially with my Switch, I can download a game to my my Switch or I can go and purchase a game. And if I don't like the game, I can trade it in if I have the physical copy of it. I can't do that if I have a digital copy of it. So it depends on if you know you're really going to like it or if you don't know that you're going to like it, then you really want that physical copy so that you can trade it later. Um so, what are you playing now? What am I playing now? Obviously, World of Warcraft, because I'm a giant fucking nerd. I'm also playing Battlefield Five, which had some new content and a new map recently. Uh, that's, you know, on PC. 
And then on my Xbox, I never play it, so I'm not playing anything on there right now, but I am looking forward to, in the future, on PC, in less than a month, less than half a month, I'm looking forward to Red Dead Redemption 2 on PC. And I am playing Cat Quest 2, two different iterations, one by myself and one with my stepson, and I can't wait until Minecraft has 1.15 out. All right, so it looks like we are out of time for this week's episode. So I'm going to leave you with some final thoughts, kind of like how they used to do on Jerry Springer, which I used to watch all the time when I was a kid, and it was the best. And then I found out later that a lot of it was scripted, which kind of sucks. Uh, But it also makes it kind of funny because I don't know where they find these people and if they pay them. Anyway, uh, so, you know, I want to thank, you know, on behalf of myself and, you know, Ducky Monroe, I want to thank you you know, for listening to this podcast. It's the very first podcast that either of us has ever done. We have completely zero experience, but we feel, and I could be wrong, and I want to speak for both of us, we feel that it could only get better. I don't think it could actually get worse, but I could be wrong. Uh, But I want to thank, you know, you know, shout out, you know, to everybody, you know, listening. We're going to post this every fucking where. I don't care. It's going to be on Twitter, which you can follow either of us at Tank and Dom or at Ducky Monroe, which is spelled D-U-C-K-I-E-M-O-N-R-O-E. And Tank and Tom is T-A-N-K-I-N-T-O-M. Because a lot of people spell it with a G and then they can't find me and then they're upset. And it's like, I mean, come on. It's not that hard. I never thought to get tanking, Tom. I just went with Tank and Tom because for me it sounded, you know, like the best. So anyway, uh, last few things that I'm going to say here. Like I said, you know, I appreciate everybody listening. I have no idea how popular this is going to be. I have no idea how many people are going to listen to it. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to spread that shit everywhere. Spread it like peanut butter jelly. Um, so I hope that, you know, everybody has fun in the uh, next two weeks. Play some great games. We have some holidays coming up with, you know, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Get some games. I might get a Switch. I don't I don't know. We'll see how that goes. At the same time, I don't even play my PlayStation 4 or my Xbox, so I doubt that'll happen. I will totally fuck your shit up with some Mario Kart. Fuck, bring it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm good at Mario Kart. You don't even know. I have my Nintendo 64, like, downstairs, I think. Yeah, it's downstairs. <laughs> and I think Mario Kart 64 works. I will beat your ass on Rainbow Road <laughs> because I know that I know the cheat where like if after you go, oh, I'm not gonna tell you. Oh, so I, oh. I, know, I know I know the trick that cuts out like half the course. Um, so that those those are my final thoughts. As you know, as much of a tangent as it may be, Ducky, do you got anything? So I am a big proponent for supporting local. So if you know that there's local gamers out there that are streaming, support them. If there are some local little game shops, go buy from them. Um, if you play Magic or uh, any other collectible card game. You're a nerd. You're a nerd and also my friend. 
and you need to go and buy local. Don't go to the big box stores, even though they always have everything. Uh, and don't go to the Amazon, even though it's a maze ball. Oh and God, I love right. it. Everything comes from Amazon anyways. Uh, your local store buys from Amazon. So just go to the local store anyways. Well, yeah, I mean, it, may, it makes more sense to you know help out the local store, too, because instead of helping some, like, you know, faceless conglomerate or whatever, you're helping, like, you know, a, a parent buy their skid, buy their skidgies, buy their kid school clothes or school supplies or a winter coat, something like that. I mean, I don't really think, and I could be wrong, I don't think Jeff Bezos, you know, is going to care if you buy from him or not. I mean, he's going to make billions of dollars anyway. Plus, we're all introverts, really. So, I mean, you need to go out and uh, hang out with other gamer introverts and, um, you know, be a community and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, you obviously, you know, like I was saying, you know, it's always a good idea to, you know, support a local business, you know, because they are a small business. They need it more than Amazon. And granted, you know, you may pay a little bit more, but what you pay for, obviously, you know, in my opinion, is convenience. That's why convenience stores, which are usually gas stations, charge you a little bit more. It's for convenience. And also, you know, you're not supporting some giant conglomerate that doesn't care about you and you're just a number, but that's my opinion. <laughs> All right, so I think uh, that's going to about do it. You got anything else? No, that's all for me. All right, I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the TankCast. For more gaming news, including reviews and hardware, be sure to check out tankandtom.com. You can also reach out to either of the hosts via Twitter at tankandtom and at Ducky Monroe. Stay tuned for the next episode in two weeks.